Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Good morning. So good to be with you all um, here in person. And those of you who are joining online, uh, it is a blessing and a privilege to proclaim God's gospel to you this morning. Um, And so uh, what I said, somebody uh, caught me last week and knew I was preaching and they said, you you better preach good. And I go, I'll preach as good as you pray. Uh, And uh, so if this is not for you, you know, whatever, you can add uh, Stephen Bowler um, because he's the one who is praying. So if it wasn't, if I don't preach that good, he didn't pray that good. So you go get him first, okay? Then come talk to me. Go see him and then come talk to me. Um, all right. I have a question for you, okay? Really important question. What do you think makes a good burger? I'm going to give you a, a second. Think about it. And I'm going to ask you to uh, turn to your neighbor. You can take the teacher out of the classroom, but you can't take uh, the teacher out of me. So um, we call this uh, think, pair, share. So I want you to take a moment. What makes a good burger? And if you're in the chat, uh, we love you. Would you put in the chat, what do you think makes a good burger? What are, what are the essential things that make a good burger? So take a moment to think. Now, would you turn to the person next to you or find somebody uh, and and, uh, just share what your thought was? What makes a good burger? That's a good A plus student. All right. Why don't you share some answers? What do you think makes a good burger? Meat. You better you better have some good meat for a good burger. What else makes a good burger? A good bun, ooh, especially grilled, like you gotta warm it up a little bit, a good bun. Any other answers? Bacon. Ba- <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm coming to your house for dinner. Amen, knows how to make a good burger. Now I guarantee you, whether you're in the chat, whether you're here, no one, no one said a good sesame seed makes a good burger. Not one person. Did anybody say a good sesame seed? No, the sesame seed is small. It doesn't add any taste. It really doesn't even add any texture. If anything, it's kind of annoying, especially if they get stuck in your teeth. So we, no one thinks about a sesame seed adding a part of a, a good burger. Now, let's take this question a little bit further. What do you think makes a good Christian? Think about that for a moment, and I'm going to do the same thing, pair, share. What makes a good Christian? What quality would you think a good Christian, you got to have this if you're going to be a good Christian? Turn to the person next to you, maybe the other person that you didn't decide to first. And um, what do you think makes a good Christian? Also in the chat, if you would, what do you think makes a good Christian? You can share out some answers. What do you think? Love. You better have love if you're going to be a good Christian. I don't know if you, if you ain't reading the Bible. Do you? <laughs> love, duh. Okay. What else? What are some good things? Prayer. You got to have a good prayer life. Okay. Maybe one more. You got to have some relate. Yes. So good. Now, did anybody say hope? 
No one. No one said hope. I feel like the hope in the Christian walk gets the same type of rap the sesame seed does. (laughs) No one talks about the sesame seed. And as a Christian with our walk, not many of us talk about hope. And yet here we are because um, in um, I'm going to do a little bit of disorder here than what I uh, originally did. Jesus died for our hope. It says in first Peter 21 through 22, he says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who was raised from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and someone say hope Hope. are in God. If Jesus died for it, we better contend for it. So if it's important for Jesus, it's got to be important to us. So I want to examine today, what does hope do for the believer? Why is hope important? And the title of my message is The Dangers of Misplaced Hope. The Dangers of Misplaced Hope. God, we say thank you because uh, you're God. And God, we have so much to be thankful for, even in the midst of a pandemic, uh, in the midst of uh, racial and political unrest, even, Lord. Uh, There is still so much to say thank you for. Um, You're still on the throne, and God, you are good. Uh, And because of you, there is hope. God, you don't just bring hope, you are hope, period, point blank, in a discussion. God, because you're in the room, we know hope's in the room. And so, God, would you uh, war against apathy this morning? Would you war against anxiety and depression? And those that would try to steal our hope, would steal our joy and peace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so I feel like hope is not one of those main things, the main thing. Wow. Oh, my God. I can't talk. One of the main things that is named among Christians, because I feel we use it a lot differently than how the Bible uses hope. We use hope to wish upon a wish. For example, some might say, I, I hope it doesn't rain today because I want to go on a hike. Words that I would never say. But um, uh, some of you, I believe, uh, will say that. Um, This is more my pace. I hope the new season of Stranger Things comes out soon. Anybody with me? All right. Amen. (laughs) Blessings in heaven for you. Um, So we use hope to express some uh, desire about the future. But we're not uh, too certain. Um, the cast could get, you know, COVID and then they break release and then they say, I don't know, something could happen and the new season's not going to be out. Uh, it could rain today and not, you know, even though it didn't necessarily say in the forecast, but here comes rain and now I can't go outside. It's just to express wishful thinking. Uh, and that is not how the Bible uses hope. Here is uh, the uh, biblical definition of hope. It is a faith-filled certainty. Somebody say certainty. And anticipation of something that is joyous and satisfying. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Come on, fill. There's the satisfying part. With all joy, there's something joyous. And peace in believing 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So here's kind of a, a picture to paint what uh, biblical hope looks like and how it's distinguished from faith. A child believing he will get his favorite toy for Christmas because his dad said so is faith. The child squealing in delight and staying up all night is hope. So there is a trust and a faith that the dad will supply the favorite toy that he promised. And then the hope affects what the child does because he is joyously anticipating the fulfillment of the promise. So we have a hope, the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, Titus 1 and 2. The whole point of the gospel rests in hope. Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, 19 through uh, 24, it says that all creation groans in eager hope of liberation from death and destruction. That Christians also hope that our bodies would be released from uh, sin and suffering. That life with God now is just a taste of what is to come. That's hope. So I need a new phone. My phone is cracked, it's busted and disgusted, it's messed up from the flow up, um, and I need a new case and a new phone. It, and I knew the 14 was coming out soon. You know how I knew Apple 14 was coming out soon? Because my phone started to glitch. I'm <laughs> confident Apple does this on purpose. Um, and none, uh, I digress, the, I need a new phone. So I ordered one on January 1st because Amazon, I mean Amazon, Verizon had this uh, new deal. They said, bring in your broken phone and we can uh, trade in for, uh, for a new one. And I'm like, okay, uh, this is my kind of deal um, where I'll get money for uh, trading in my, my brokenness for something new. Interesting, trade in brokenness for something new. I'll get there to that later. But, um, I ordered on January 1st. It is now January 30th. Do I have the new phone? Nope, you would be correct. You would be correct. Now you might ask, well, Michael, why are you still hopeful that you're gonna get the phone? You haven't, it's, look online. It says, item cannot be tracked. UPS delay, over two weeks now. So, but this is why I'm hopeful. Ask me, Michael, why are you hopeful? I'm so glad you asked. You're a good question askers. I'm hopeful because the phone is paid for. It's mine. So I don't care if COVID takes out all the drivers. I don't care if someone stole my phone. I don't care if UPS goes out of business. I don't care if I'm not there when they come to drop it off. It doesn't matter because it's paid for. Eventually, it's mine. That's the certainty of my hope. I'm not just wishfully thinking. It, I have the receipt to prove it. The same thing with our Christian walk. We have the receipt of an empty grave of the price that Jesus paid on the cross for his promises. So if God promised you something, we have the assured hope because we have the receipt to prove he's not in the grave. But we have a living God and a living hope that we have the assurance of salvation and we have the assurance of what God promised. He will do the very thing that he promised because he's not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. If God said that he's going do it. 
and we have that hope, that assurance, that certainty. It would be very different if I went on the Amazon or uh, Verizon or just walked into the store and I said, I need a new phone. I'm just hoping for a phone. Hope, I just walk into the store. I just hope for a phone. Come on. Hope they will look at me crazy. Security, come get them. It's different when I have a receipt. So I feel like that's why hope is not necessarily named with the Christian because we think that hope just means wishful thinking. No, 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 no. There is a certainty. There is a assurance of the promises of God. So this is um, also uh, why hope is important. In the New Testament, believers are marked by three main things, faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, now abides these three. And the word abide here means to continue or to remain, uh, will last to the end. These three things, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these, which is love. Um, I had a hard time kind of preparing for this message when uh, Pastor Tyler first originally texted me to speak on January 30th. I was like, yeah, I got you. Um, and praying about it. Uh, usually I have something that the Lord was already, you know, kind of talking to me uh, about, or, uh, you know, in my Devo time, something that I feel like is a gold nugget that I'll share uh, with the larger body. But this time I was like, oh, I don't know, have a little idea here, a little idea there, but I, have, I just, I don't know. I don't feel like how I usually feel when making a message. This is now a week before today. And I'm still in the same place. I have a couple of thoughts written down about something, but I'm like, I don't know. It's about this hope thing, you know? And yesterday when I came across this, God reminded me, he says, I'm a better planner than you ever will be. So in July of last year, I preached uh, in person for the first time here and I preached on love. The second time in September I preached in person, I preached on faith. Now, here we are, and I'm wrapping up a little sermon series um, on hope. Um, I did not plan this, but here we are with the Lord. Um, So you will see in the Pauline letters, this is what uh, Paul uh, will say over and over again in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 3. He says, remember before our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. We see love faith, and hope here in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8, he's encouraging again the church at Thessalonica. He says, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation, faith, love, and hope we see. And so would those three things be named about you this morning? Would faith, hope, and love be something that people would say, yeah, I I think that that would describe Michael. I think that would describe Austin. I think that would describe the deems. Would, Would faith, hope, and love be ascribed to you? So the only reason why hope is so important is because hope affects what you do. Hope of finding the one will cause you to download an app and swipe right. The hope of a college degree will cause you to stay up studying all night. The hope of losing weight will cause you to get up early in the morning to go to the gym. The hope of making the basketball team will cause you to be on the court for hours a week. The hope of getting a promotion will cause you to be the first one at work and the last one to leave. The hope of healing will cause you to pray prayers like you've never prayed before. 
The hope of a better life will cause you to pack up your life and move across cities, move across states, even countries. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope affects what you do. A misplacement of hope can be just as paralyzing as hopelessness itself. The illusion of moving forward, but being stuck all the same. So this morning, I asked the question of where does your hope lie? You're going to hope in something. And if you haven't, what kind of quality of life are you living if you feel hopeless? But I have good news today. Hope is in the building and his name is Jesus. So we're going to pick up a story in John chapter six and uh, give you a context of where we're picking up. Uh, He just fed the 5,000 with the kids Lunchable. So they're like excited uh, because they're like, okay, you food just multiplied it. We're all full and satisfied. And here is uh, the sign that they are talking about. So John chapter six, verse 14, it says, when the people saw the sign, AKA he turned the Lunchable into a buffet, uh, he had, uh, um, that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then, that they they were about to come and take him and force him to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Misplacement of hope will cause you to have tunnel vision of Jesus. That's the first danger. So we see here in the text that they saw the sign and out of their natural desire, And out of their circumstance, they wanted to make Jesus king. AKA, uh, or not AKA, but uh, hint to the the wise here. Uh, He was already king. He's king of kings, lord of lords. They're going to make him king. He's already king. But the reason why they wanted to make him king, context of the the history in this time period, they were under Roman Empire oppression and they wanted a king to deliver. And this was the promise of God that he gave to the people through uh, the the lineage of Abraham and then David, that I will uh, set on your throne, uh, someone will establish a kingship forever. And so they thought, oh boy, here we are. Here here he is. Let's make him king. He's going to deliver us now. And so they allowed their uh, uh, circumstance, their temporary circumstance to make a heavenly conclusion. And I wonder in our lives, are we only willing to make Jesus king because of our current circumstances? Are we only willing to make Jesus king because we have a certain hope that he'll deliver us from a certain circumstance. Does the kingship of Jesus, the hope of Jesus's kingship, have an expiration date in your life? Is Jesus only king as long as you have money? Is Jesus only king as long as you get married? Is Jesus only king as long as you get good grades? Or is Jesus only king as long as you are healed? Or is Jesus only king only on the good weeks that you have because he doesn't quite match up with the hope of the promise of this said abundant life? What they ended up doing was they took the promises of God and they built it through a lens or they rested on the promises of God through the lens of their circumstance. 
So they felt like Jesus was not meeting uh, the promise because it wasn't matching their hope. But anytime you allow your circumstance to, uh, to interpret scripture, you will always be led astray. So here, Jesus was so much more of a king. He says, I, I, he came not that they would be delivered from economic or political uh, oppression, which is just temporary, but he came so that they would be, be delivered from sin, death, and destruction. How much more greater is that? And so uh, we, we see that uh, we, we tend to uh, worship where our hope is. In verse 66 in this chapter, they leave because Jesus was not uh, multiplying any Lunchables anymore, uh, and they said, peace out. So they left him. And we can see, we're going to jump to uh, the Psalms here for a moment, and we're going to see a connection between uh, where your hope is and where worship is. Uh, Hint, hint, where your hope is, there lies your worship too. Psalmist in 42 uh, and 43, just to kind of give you an idea of uh, what the psalmist was facing, he was facing distance from community. He was facing uh, uh, feeling like God was not near or on his side. He had memory of better days. Uh, he was overwhelmed by the various trials of life and and also overwhelmed by this God's seemingly slow response. But yet, even when faced with this, we pick up with uh, chapter 43 of Psalms, verse four through five. He says, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you turmoil in me? Hope! In God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. God is not just the subject of hope, but he's the object of our hope. God doesn't just bring hope. He is hope. We don't hope in him because he brings things and makes things better. We hope in him because he is better. And so here we, we, we see a couple of tangible things from the psalmist. One is when it seems like all hope is lost, find worship. So when, when you feel like you're empty or you feel like you're indifferent or, or you just don't have any energy, find worship. And find a song. Find a scripture to hold on to. Find um, scripture where you can hold on to the blood-brought promises of God that where you find worship, you will also find hope. His name is Jesus. And so... Uh, the second thing is we see here in this um, situation with the psalmist, uh, hope is not a byproduct of happiness. You don't have to be happy to be hopeful. You can, don't have to be happy to be hopeful. I'm listening. Don't help me. Don't come for me. Um, you, so, so here the psalmist, the circumstances did not change. What changed was his worship. He says, then I will go to my God who is my exceeding joy. He didn't say I'm going to God to get joy. He's going to God for joy, who is his joy. And out of that, he then preaches to himself. That's the third tangible thing. He says, sometimes you got to preach to yourself. Sometimes I will stand in my mirror and I'll be like, Michael, 
You are the head and not the tail. You are a peculiar person. God, you are, um, you are holy. You are righteous. I'll start claiming those things that God had said about me in his word. But if you don't know his word, you don't know what he said. And therefore, you can't rest on promises that you don't know about. Uh, and, and so here he says, he says, why are you downcast to, uh, why are you downcast on my soul? Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. I was talking to myself in preparing for the, the sermon yesterday. And, uh, my roommate, his name is Matthew. He's like, uh, are you okay? I go, yeah, I'm just talking to myself. He goes, oh, as usual. <laughs> Some, sometimes you got, if you, if you don't talk to yourself, I actually question more of your sanity than people who do talk to yourself. Um, that's just me. I, you, sometimes you just got to preach to yourself. When you have nobody around, you got to preach to yourself. When it feels like all hope is lost, you got to preach to yourself and remind yourselves of the goodness of God. Remind yourselves of the blood brought promises that we have the empty grave of a receipt yeah. to prove that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. So uh, we see in uh, John chapter six, going back to the text, uh, verse 25. Um, and so uh, we're skipping down a little bit. Jesus had slipped away because he was like, I'm already king. This uh, y'all want to make me king is not, a, uh, you know, appealing to me. I'm already king. So he slipped away. But the people are like, I want more bread. So they find him on the other side of uh, the sea. And this is where we pick up. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. They wanted a sign, but they needed a savior. They wanted to give him a label that he already had because they had the lens of their circumstance and that is where they placed their hope. And like I said, I was ordering a new phone um, and believe it or not, uh, two weeks ago, I had gotten a notification. The package is on the way. I was excited. I was getting my haircut at the time. I was really excited. Um, and so after I got done with my haircut, I said, I need to be ready. So I need, I went to Target. I spent a little too much time because I get overwhelmed when I go shopping. There's so many options for things. And I just, I always want to choose the best thing. And so I always spend way too much time in a store when I'm only trying to get one thing. Nonetheless, I end up getting a, a case and a screen protector. Uh, and before I went home to open up my package for my new phone, my phone was going to be built to last. So I get home and I look at the package um, and I could already tell some ain't right. Had the right label. The box was a little beat up. I was like, really, this is how we going to do me? And I picked up the box. I said, this is way too light. This is making me nervous. I opened up the package. Ain't no phone to be found. I said, oh, God, somebody stole my phone. Somebody stole my phone. The UPS driver knew. He took my phone, packaged it up. And um, I, I was really disappointed at that point. Then I started to read the contents of what was actually supposed to be in there. And it was just an envelope and a piece of paper. Please return your phone, uh, the old one, before you get this new one. When I was looking in at the itemization of what was in the box, my phone was never intended to be in there. They just wanted to send me a whole, a whole box 
just for a piece of paper and an envelope to send my phone back. I was placing my hope in a package that was never meant to be delivered. And I wonder in our lives, where are you expecting or hoping for peace in a package that was never meant to deliver peace? Where are you hoping and expecting joy in a place that was never meant to give you joy? Who are you putting your hope in for acceptance that was never actually meant to give you purpose and satisfaction? And so this morning I ask and I wonder, are we wasting our resources? Are we wasting our time on hope and expectation in a thing or in a person that was never meant to deliver? I wasted my gas money. I had wasted my time, my energy for an empty package that was never meant to be delivered. If I had read the, the notification correctly, I would have had my, my, my hope in a different spot. But because I had to use the lens of the hope of a new phone, I just assumed that the notification meant my phone was coming because it had to be from Verizon. So they said, Messiah is coming. This is what it has to mean. And so they were reading the notification of a Messiah in terms of their hope. And so I'm wondering, are we reading scripture in the lens of our circumstance and our hope? Are we reading the promises of God in terms of the spirit? It takes the spirit to understand the things of the spirit. And so maybe your level of discontentment with God is not about promises he broke, but promises he never made. Could you be disappointed in God because you were looking for this and he said, I have that, which is much more. This is where uh, if we do not see Jesus clearly, you will not have your hope in the right place. Uh, John 6, 31 says, our fathers ate the manna from the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So uh, they found him and uh, the people are like, hey, look, you're matching the signs. Like our fathers ate manna from heaven uh, and you are the Messiah is promised to be the greater Moses. And Moses was used to bring manna from heaven. You brought bread lunchable down from heaven. You see the connection. You must be him. And so this is what they're saying. They're arguing with him and trying to say, we're, we're seeing the sign. You must be the Messiah. And um, he said, can you give us something to eat? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he, not a what, it's a he. The bread, their hope that there was this bread, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, Get, what you waiting for? Give us this bread always. Which we're here. We're, we're, come on, supply us with the lunchable. And Jesus said, they still don't get it. He goes plainly, I am. Somebody say, I am the bread of life. Sometimes we go to God for things. And he's trying to say, don't come to me for things. I am the thing that you are wanting and you are desiring. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Uh, And he said, I said this to you because you have seen me yet do not believe. If you do not see Jesus clearly, you will not have hope in the right side. And I'll ask the keys to come up, make it spiritual. That's how people get saved. Um, JK, if you read your Bible, that's not how people get saved. Just FYI, I have good theology, I promise. Um, 
But so here, Jesus is saying, you see me, but you don't see me. When we have misplaced hope, it will cause us to see Jesus incorrectly. And so would you please put up the, um, the dots, um, the whole picture of the dots on the, on the screen? It should come up. It should be a picture at the end. There's going to be uh, hopefully a photo of some, some dots that will come up. Um, in this, there is a number that's supposed to be seen in the pictures of the dots. And one thing about me is I'm colorblind. In, this, in the photo, there is a number. I can't see it, but it's there. And the reason why I can't see is because I have inherited from uh, my mother, it says it passes through the mother, a, a gene that causes my green cones in my eyes to detect uh, too much red light. And so I cannot see, oh, there it is. How many people see a number? How many people do not see a number? I'm trying to see, there's a couple of people I was like, you're colorblind, you don't see a number? Are you colorblind? Do you know if you're colorblind? You just might be. Um, I see just, you just see dots, sir? You just see, I just see dots. What number do you see? Are we looking at the same photo? You can look at the same Jesus and not see what's really there. If I want my eyes to be fixed, I need to have new eyes. They literally, they were saying, you can't, you just need to be born again. Oh, Interesting. Jesus says to Nicodemus when he comes to see him in the third chapter, he says, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. If you don't have your hope in the right place, it might be because you are not born again. You don't have the new eyes to see. I cannot see what's clearly there. Jesus was right in front of them, yet they could not clearly see what was there? He says, I am the bread of life. But they could not see because they needed to be born again. When we cannot see Jesus clearly, it will cause you to think that you have placed hope in the right place. If you go to the next screen, um, should be a Wordle. Anybody play Wordle? Yes. All right. Okay. Yes. So I was playing Wordle the other day and um, one of the staff, I was actually here uh, last Sunday uh, and one of the staff members um, came up to me uh, and I was really frustrated because I couldn't get this word. It's a, a guessing word game. Uh, there's a five letter word each day and you have six guesses to get the right word and it color codes if you have the right word or not. Uh, and so they'll let you know if you have the word in the, the letter in the correct spot or uh, not, or if the letter is not in the word, okay? I'm frustrated, I can't figure this out. I'm spending so much time trying to figure this out. And so I'm ex when he sees me, he's frustrated. I'm like, I'm just frustrated over this game. And I'm trying to explain it to him. I'm saying, you see these letters here that are on my phone? Um, they're green, that lets me know they're in the correct spot. And he goes, Michael, you, these aren't green. These are yellow. This, 
the tea that's in, is that a yellow for you? That looks like a light green to me. So I thought the letter was in the right spot. I had put it first and actually the, the correct word had the letter in the last spot. I could not see clearly so I was placing things in the wrong position because I could not see. I thought I was right, but I was wrong. How many in your life, uh, because you can't see Jesus clearly, you put the wrong things in the wrong spot. And I pray that our eyes would see Jesus clearly and that our hope would be placed in the right spot. Hmm. So I want to end with this. There are some reflection questions. The first one is, what are some obstacles that may make it hard to hope in God? Right now, what are some places in our culture maybe where they put their hope? Question two, if you want, you're writing this down or you can take a picture. Areas of discontentment can be a symptom of misplaced hope. Where in your life could you have misplaced hope? Question three, in what areas of your life do you strategically need to bring to God and worship to regain hope? During the pandemic, I had um, had a strong time, a uh, hard time being extrovert and being isolated. And so I was really viewing the lens of Jesus as a supplement to the fact that I didn't have community. So I was kind of seeking him for the wrong reason. And to regain my hope that he is enough, that he's more than just the community that he puts around me, I had to bring that to him in worship. You start singing songs like he's better. He's more than enough. I'm not enough. I, I started to, to read scripture. I started to bring that specific area to him in worship so that I could regain my sight to see him as more than enough, that he is the main prize. And then question four, find scripture to memorize to remind yourself of the promises that you have in Jesus. I don't know if you're uh, in this room today and you're like, I, I really don't know this Jesus. I have not put my hope in him uh, like you're talking about. Well, you can today and I would love uh, the opportunity to pray uh, for you that you would place your hope in Jesus that maybe you came in this room and had no hope. Maybe you came in this room and you, you, you're, you're a Christian, but maybe there's a little bit much of just going through the motions and you're saying, what, what, what is the point of all this? Hope is in the room. And his name is Jesus. And I just would like to pray for you this morning. Uh, if, if that's you, on the count of three, would you just lift your hand? Three, two, one. Yes. God, here we are, Lord. God, I pray that we would contend to see you rightly, that we have an assurance, we have a certainty, we have a joyous hope, full of peace and joy. God, that you would fill us in the name of Jesus. God, that we would have a hope that's different, that would stand out, Lord, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of all this unrest that we're feeling as a country, as a society. God, let us be the beacon of hope because of your name, Jesus, that your name might be proclaimed. Hope has a name, and we have a living hope in Jesus. God, we thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. 
If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.